Welcome to BBC's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website at ballamvineyard.org or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. on the kingdom of God and uh, over the last few weeks we've uh, Steve looked at healing last week and I want to touch on this again today and in particular I want to look at what happens when healing doesn't happen um, so I've called this talk the mystery of healing um, and I want to start by reading a psalm it's quite a familiar psalm you might be you it might kind of roll off your tongue but what I want to do is look at it as if it's the first time you've ever read it so we're going to turn to Psalm 103 if you have your Bibles that'd be great but they are going to appear up on the screen as well so Psalm 103 we're just going to read the first five verses and it says praise the Lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your diseases, forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And here in the vineyard, we've talked a bit about this phrase, the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And Jason Clark, a few weeks ago, he, he kind of expanded on that. And I'd really encourage you to listen to that on our podca- podcast if you weren't here at the time, because he really sort of eloquently explains what that means in terms of uh, what we have now and what we are yet to come as well. So I'd really encourage you to, to have a listen to that. Uh, and I'm going to touch on that again today. We, we've got the absolutes of God, haven't we? We've got the revelation of his nature, We've got who he is, and we lived with constant understanding of the nature of God and his promises and his word to us. But then we live in this tension, don't we, between what we understand and this realm called mystery. And the Christian life is a combination of the two. But we cannot only afford to live in what we understand because we're not growing, we're not progressing, we're not moving on in our lives. And it's really important that we expose ourselves to impossibilities because they force us to have questions that we can't answer. So this passage of scripture, it gives us absolutes. It says he heals all your diseases. He forgives all your sins, he heals all your diseases. And then in 1 Peter 2 verse 24, um, there's the next slide if we can have that one as well. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live by righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. It's done. And so this passage gives us absolutes. It says that he heals every disease and forgives all your sins. By his wounds, you have been healed. Now, you, you might want to write this down. God is good. He's good all the time. The devil is bad all the time. And we could probably do ourselves out of a lot of trouble if we can remember the distinction between the two. So God is good all the time. Devil is bad. And it probably probably won't get much deeper than that this morning. So God is good. Devil is. Cancer is. I wonder where that comes from. <coughs> so, probably 
stemming from my brethren background, I have a very strong need to make sure that everything is thoroughly Bible-based before I dive in. And um, a, a few years ago, I started to really look at this issue of healing. I started to look at some of the Bible verses around healing, and I read people and listened to people like Andrew Womack and Bill Johnson. And I started to realize that he doesn't want you sick any more than he wants you to sin. And I think part of me used to think that we were, we used to be on, or we were on this sort of giant roulette wheel. And it was just depending on where the ball landed as to whether God healed or whether he didn't. And that had always struck me as being a bit mean and a bit fatalistic. Um, you know, what will be, will be. And it seemed a bit potluck. Like, will God heal? Will he, will he not? Is this my lucky day? And as I studied this verse, these verses, I started to realize that God had already paid the price for our healing. It's inconsistent to have Jesus pay a price for our healing and for us to believe that it's God's intention not to heal. But here's the conflict. You've prayed for somebody and they're not healed. Well, they've died. One of my really good friends was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years ago. She was a um, <coughs> single mum, teenage daughter, and we prayed for her. We took her to healing meetings. We, um, she, and then she recovered. She recovered for a year or so, and she was in remission. And then the cancer came back with a vengeance, and she died about four and a half years ago. And I can honestly say I don't understand. I don't understand. The, the tension between what I understand and what I don't understand. We prayed. We fasted. We did all that we knew what to, all, all we knew what to do. Um, and so it's natural to ask the question, was it God who chose not to heal her? But is that true? So you see, 2,000 years ago, God chose to heal her. That's why Jesus went and he bore 39 stripes on his body. Enough stripes to remove the flesh on his body until his internal organs were exposed. It was a punishment and a payment that he made. And it says that he was punished with a punishment that I deserve so that I could get what he deserves. Now, let's say that I buy a brand new iPhone 10. I always call it iPhone X, but it's iPhone 10, isn't it? At the car phone warehouse. Maybe I go down there, hand over 1,200 pounds in cash or whatever it is, and I buy this phone. And then I enjoy it for two or three years. And then three years later, I go back into the store and say I've decided not to buy this phone. The salesperson's going to go, you what? Yeah, I, I've decided not to buy it. But, but I remember you. You, you paid over £1,000 in cash. I remember you. Yeah, but I've, I've just decided I don't want it anymore. I'm going I'm to not buy it. Now, the same is true with healing. How can Jesus decide not to buy something that he's already bought? It's too late. It's already paid for. And that's why, that's why the scriptures say, by his stripes, you were healed. The work is already, it's already done. It's already accomplished. It's finished. So why then do we live with, answers that aren't an uh, with, with problems that aren't answered, that they aren't solved? We often, I think we often want answers so badly that we make up and begin to invent answers that help satisfy our own kind of need for reason. But we take one of the absolutes that God has shown us about his goodness and we sacrifice it on the altar of human reasoning. 
And we take, you know, we, we have people then standing up and saying, yeah, God gave my relative leukemia to, to teach me perseverance or to make me a better person. It's not right, guys. It's not right. Have you ever seen someone racked with pain or their body devoured by cancer? That's the devourer. That's not the job of the Messiah. It says that the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. It says, he who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. We'd, we'd never think about anybody coming, coming to the Lord and just saying they've committed some horrible sin and they, they come to me and say, Viv, I was praying yesterday. I did something really stupid and I was just praying that God would forgive me. And God spoke to me and he said he doesn't really want to. It would never cross our minds that God would in some way turn someone down who needed forgiveness. But we don't yet get it that when Jesus talked about physical affliction and healing, and sorry, physical affliction and the forgiveness of sin, he talked about them in the same breath. He said to the paralyzed man, which is easier, your sons, your si- son, your sins are forgiven, or take up your mat and walk. So this Christian life, it's this invitation to live between two conflicting realities. The sufferings of the scripture is living between these two conflicting realities and living with trust and praise at the same time. Trust, it just, it, all that trust does, it implies I don't understand, but I'm choosing to trust you anyway because I know who you are. I know that you're good. And some Christians respond to this tension between the now and the not yet by just saying God doesn't do miracles today. They contend that the gifts of the Spirit were just for Jesus' time and not for now. And then other people, they go the other way and they just ignore the fact that suffering's happening. If we don't experience physical healing, then it's probably our fault. And for them, unanswered prayer really, you know, it just means I haven't got enough faith and we just need to work it up a bit more. Whereas we believe that a tension will always exist between the now and the not yet. We pray for the sick and we've seen many, many people healed. Just yesterday, they were out on the streets praying for people. We've seen so many people healed. We do the work of compassion, and we've seen the poor restored to hope, but we do not always see the results we want to. And we don't always see them this side of heaven. And yet we believe that every faith-filled act puts a deposit of love in that person. And we've got, we've got testimonies from all corners of the earth that God does break through with power to heal the sick. But we live in this interim time, don't we, where the kingdom of God to come is also our future hope. And I just want to read Revelation 21. And it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down 
for the, these words are trustworthy and true. One day there will be no more cancer. There will be an end to poverty. God will one day right this world. But until that day, we trust, we trust in, in the nature of God. And we hope and we pray for his kingdom to come. Just like that song we sung this morning. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But we still pray knowing that it can happen right now. Anyone can rejoice and celebrate when they've just won the lottery. But when you live in the middle of a conflict, or you have a promise, and the promise isn't fulfilled, or somebody dies, it's living in between those two realities, isn't it? And rising above circumstances where your response is based on who he is. That he is always good, that he hasn't changed. Why does disease continue? Why does it carry on? Why is addiction not broken? Honestly, I don't know. And it's okay to say you don't know. I don't want to be part of a church which has all the answers and all the boxes ticked. There is mystery, I don't know. But I'm going to choose to trust him nonetheless because he is good. We've got to get rid of this concept that God would bring evil into our lives to make me a better person. There's no one here, I hope, that would say that God led me into drug addiction because he knew it would work for my benefit. We would never believe that about sin, but somehow we believe it about sickness sometimes. If there's one thing you get from today is that God is good, the devil is bad, and the privilege that we have to demonstrate what he's really like to the world. We have this privilege to tell people that God is good. The, the warfare that takes place between what I understand and what I don't already have, this warfare happens in people's lives where they have been willing to stand in the middle of not knowing the answer, in the middle of conflict or disease, and to stand and to, to say, no, I'm just going to praise God regardless. I'm going to trust in the nature of God, who is good all the time. Even this week as I've been studying this, I've had a bit of a revelation in the difference between the Old and the New Testament. So the, old, the entire Old Testament was focused on building a consciousness in mankind that they were sinners and that they needed God. The revelation was the power of sin and that it was illustrated in the fact, like for example, if you touched a leper, you became unclean, like the leper. Whereas in the New Testament, it's the love of God the superiority of the love of God. And it, it's like in the New Testament, uh, in Matthew 8, Jesus comes and touches the leper, and instead of Jesus becoming unclean, the leper becomes clean because the New Testament has a superior revelation. The Old Testament has law. The law was perfect. New Testament is grace. It's superior. You've got to catch this because it's so critical to what I'm trying to communicate. In Hebrews 1, it says of Jesus that he is the exact representation of the Father's nature. In other words, Jesus said, if you could see me, you've seen the Father. He, he exactly represented the Father. He was always illustrating this when he was interacting with people. So with the, with the mother that had a dead child, Jesus came into the funeral and raised the child from the dead. He was illustrating the heart of the Father. 
there, there are many people, I think, that believe that the father, the heart of the father is different to that. That he'll bring sickness upon somebody who will bring torment into people's lives. And yet Jesus exactly represented the father. When he did something, he was illustrating the father's nature. So anything, for example, that you get out of Job's life that, that says that God wants you sick comes from an inferior revelation because Jesus is the superior revelation. What God did in the Old Testament to cause people to realize their need for God and the power of sin is completely different from what he intended to do. It was because man rejected and resisted grace and chose law. And in that decision, the hand was forced to show the brutality of law. And so trans to transfer that as the heart of God is just not right. Can you imagine coming to Jesus coming to a blind guy the blind guy going, I'd, I'd really like to see. And Jesus saying, yeah, sorry, mate. You, that's, that, my, my father gave that to you to make you a better person. That didn't happen. He exactly represented the father. He's the physical representation in detail of what the father is like. If there's any uh, concept that you have of God the father that you don't see in the son, then we have to flush it. We have to change the way we think. You almost have to tear pages out of your Bible to come up with anything other than God wants you saved, healed, and delivered. We have to look at the life of Christ. There is a standard there that I've never seen in another human being. He, you know, the weak in faith, he healed them anyway. The one who said, I've got unbelief and I'm really confused, he healed them anyway. The one who had great faith, he honored them and did the miracle. He always gave them what they needed, regardless of how great they were or how poor they were. And there's something about this extravagant father that, what, that the world around us is dying to see. There's, there's, they're dying to see someone who is good all the time. There, there are no tricks up his sleeve. So I, I just want to s sort of like summarize and come down to land a bit. It's really not complicated. Number one, God is good. The devil is bad. If you just get one thing out of this, God is always good. He is always good. Number two, Jesus healed all who came to him. And he was the exact representation of the Father. Like we said in Psalm 103, God has healed all your diseases. He has healed Number three, we choose to trust him in the middle of not understanding. This is, this is such, a, I don't know whether you understand that this is a privilege to do. We won't get to do this in heaven because we'll understand everything. But we get to trust him now in the middle of not understanding. It's this difficulty of living in a paradox. And if I, if I will not allow my heart to get spoiled and embittered and poisoned against God if I will keep my heart clear, then I'm going to position myself for greater breakthrough. And here's a couple, of, couple more things that are guaranteed. Every situation where you've experienced loss, where you've ever experienced the devourer, any situation that you've experienced like that, we have this promise in Romans 8, 28. It says, this is my life verse. I love this verse. Such a theme in my childhood, this verse. In all things, God works together for the good of those who love him. He brings treasures out of darkness. 
He didn't design the sickness, but he does bring treasures out of it. He's so big that he can win with any hand. He can take the situations that have come into our lives and the sicknesses that have come into our lives and turn them around for good. He can bring treasure and goodness out of extreme pain, but he didn't assign it to you. And then lastly, our God is a God of vengeance and justice. There is no such thing as the devil having the final say in anything. He will never have the final say in anything. There will be absolute and complete vindication for any moment of infirmity, affliction and torment that you've experienced in your life. And if you don't see it in this world, if you don't see it all in this world, you will see it in the next. And you will have the pleasure of seeing the vindication of God for every single loss that you've experienced. And we have this this promise given us to, to us in Romans 8, verse 18, and it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It's just not worth comparing to any difficulty that you're experiencing or that assault on your body. It's not worth, it's not worthy of comparison that will be, w- that will be revealed in you or on you or through you. Is a, I think, I don't know how famous it is, but Billy Graham once said, I've read the last chapter and we win. That's the position we're coming from. So when we don't see what we want to see, we have the future hope that we will win. And we, have the, we just have the absolute ability now to trust him regardless of what we're seeing in front of ourselves. But we have to press in and go for those impossibilities because we know the promise that he's spoken over us. He has healed all our diseases. So we know with such authority that we can pray for healing for any situation because he's paid the price. Why, why don't we stand? <coughs> I, I think that there's probably many of us here touched by issues or maybe you've got people in, in your family that are sick or that, I don't know almost whether you've allowed your heart to get a little bit bitter towards God, just thinking why, like why? And, I, and it's good to ask why, but you have to invite him into that and choose to trust him regardless. So uh, let's, let's just pray and then maybe we'll worship and, and see where this goes. And Father, we just, we confess that you are the ultimate father. And even, even if I as an earthly parent know how to be good, you are so much more good. And you give the Holy Spirit the treasure of the heaven to those who ask. And that's our cry right now. We, we confess that you're perfect in every way. And we ask that you would grace us with more of your, your presence, more of your Holy Spirit. Would you teach us and reveal to us what is completely different than we'd ever thought? I ask that you would, you would you'd create an army of warriors here in this church that choose to declare your goodness to the world. Choose to step out in power. Step out in healing. Would we show your goodness to the people around us? Would we show your goodness to people at work? Or in our family or wherever? 
and we just say we trust you, we trust you, God. We have that privilege of trusting you regardless of what we feel. And we just, we pray again, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that there's no sickness in heaven, so we just pray for your kingdom to come. Even people here today that have been uh, suffering with long-term pain or illness, Would you just release a boldness and a faith to pray for people today? Thank you for what you paid for all those years ago, that by your stripes, those incredible wounds that you had inflicted on your body, that you have paid the price for sickness. So we declare your goodness over people this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our BBC speakers.